just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The days are getting longer. The weather is hopefully getting warmer. Doesn't it just make you want to go to the park? Our big parks have so much to offer. Liberty on the city's east side and Jordan on the west. But today we're highlighting small parks. The ones you may stumble upon by accident and be like, hey, who put this park here? I talked with runner and public spaces enthusiast Bryant Heath last summer about the best pocket parks. It's Wednesday, March 15th. I'm Emily Means, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Bryant Heath, we are in a beautiful park on a beautiful day in Salt Lake City. Thanks so much for meeting me here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Do you often meet strangers in parks? (laughs) (laughs) No, I do not often meet strangers in parks. Well, thanks (laughs) for special circumstance. (laughs) Thanks for taking a chance on us. All right, your claim to fame is like a pretty solid claim to fame. In 2020, you ran every street in Salt Lake City, and then you just kept on running. Right. Just like Forrest Gump, you ran every street in Mill Creek and Holiday and South Salt Lake, and now you're working on West Valley. Why do you do this thing? That's a great question, one I get asked a lot. Um, really, the main reason is I just like urban exploration and seeing new things, and what better way to do that than navigate all the streets in a particular area? Okay, so I would guess that most people haven't seen Salt Lake in the way that you have by traversing it on foot. How has that changed your perspective of the city? Right. I would say most people, you know, they kind of stick to their normal commute, go the same kind of roads, you know, eat at the same restaurants, go to the same shops, and maybe just have a little bit of a bubble that they uh, kind of live in. And so whenever you kind of go outside the city and kind of break that bubble, it's just uh, always an interesting time. And you're, you'll be surprised just like what you kind of come across. So I'm guessing that's how you discovered pocket parks. Um, first of all, how would you personally define a pocket park? Great question. I would say this is not the official definition, so uh, apologies to anyone who works in the parks department, but how I would define it as it it needs to be a small park, so none of these larger ones like Liberty or Sugar House, or even medium-sized ones like Fairmont. So you're looking at maybe a couple acres at best. Uh, it kind of needs to be isolated a little bit, you know, housed within a neighborhood, away from other kind of green spaces. Uh, so there's a couple of parks that are along the Jordan River adjacent to like Jordan Park that I've wouldn't necessarily classify. And lastly, I would say there needs to be kind of a reason for you to be there, you know, some sort of amenity. Uh, Most of the time, I would say playground equipment kind of draws, you know, families in, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Uh, There's a varieties of amenities. That's one thing I've learned after kind of coming across all of them. And yeah, that's basically what I would define it as. Had you noticed these parks before you started running? Oh, absolutely not. Like, I would say... I would kind of stick to the major ones, you know, Liberty, mm-hmm. Riverside, maybe um, Sugar House Park as well. And then, you know, you notice the ones near you, 
but you don't really extrapolate thinking about, hey, man, they're pretty much everywhere. And I think you'd be shocked to find that there's about 115 parks in Salt Lake City. Really? Absolutely. What? Yeah. And I would say probably uh, over half of them are pocket parks or what I would consider pocket parks. So what did you think uh, when you first started discovering these pocket parks? Well, it kind of broken up the monotony of running all the streets. As you can imagine, you know, it gets a little tiring to see house after house after house. And so whenever you come across these green spaces, it's just a nice little refresher, kind of rejuvenates you to say, oh, this is a nice little area. You make a mental note and then you can always come back here to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. All right, Bryant. Now the big question. We are actually here at your pick for the best pocket park. What is it? What is here? And what makes it the best? Well, Pocket parks in general, I just think that they kind of intersect between recreation and community, maybe some public artwork and history. And the one I think that encompasses that idea the best is this Joseph Steenblick Park out here in Rose Park. Um, for those that are familiar with it, it's also referred to as Cat Park. Describe Cat Park to us. Cat Park, uh, it's kind of a small greenish space area. I think it's around two acres and there's a kind of a hedged wall on the north side with four, I would say four foot, uh, you know, cat statues just kind of uh, observing they're, they're the alert, situation. attentive. That's right. That's right. And just like checking out, making sure there's, uh, you know, what's going on. There's nothing uh, too crazy going on. Just observing, you know, the playground and the benches and the table that we're sitting at here. And uh, the story behind the cats are um, actually Joseph Steenblick. He used to own a dairy here in Rose Park. And these are dairy cats that would commonly kind of visit that kind of particular area. So I just like this blend of art and a little bit of history, um, looking into kind of the namesake of the park, as well as it has a great playground for both my five-year-old and two-year-old. And, you know, it's oftentimes you see people strolling around, walking their dogs. So there's a lot of activity that occurs here. Even though the, uh, the park itself is rather small, I think I looked it up, it's only about two acres itself. Uh, there's still a lot of activity usually. All right. What do you make of these cats, though? Are they menacing? Are they cute? Are they both? Uh, no, I think they're just interesting, to be quite honest. Uh, evidently, they each have a different patina on them to kind of reflect the diversity of the community. So I like that kind of nod. I do like the nod, you know, to Joseph Steenblick and, uh, you know, the business that he was running here back in the mid-1900s. So, I don't know, it's just like uh, something you don't necessarily see every day. I wouldn't say giant statues are unique. We have like Gilgal Gardens, for instance, and also, you know, there's like roller skating birds up in Davis Park, kind of over by the uh, near kind of Sunnyside Park area. So it's like you see some of these statues, but I don't know, these uh, cats particularly call to me and especially call to my five-year-old daughter. So Of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. Have you spent a lot of time at this park then? Absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, a particular favorite of my eldest because she just absolutely loves cats at this stage in her life and so she always asks to come to cat park so she can give each one a hug that's very cute bryant <laughs> um has she named the cats uh well you know if you, it was up to her it would be probably uh you know cat catty catter you know she's very much in naming things like that so uh, no i don't think she's given a definitive name but it would be something along those lines why make it difficult you know um Okay, so Steenblick Park on the west side of Salt Lake. I would call this like solidly Rose Park. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of your runner-up favorite Ooh. pocket parks? Great question. I would say I like Fault Line Park. That's kind of over by the U of U campus, uh, particularly because you have a nice view of downtown and the valley. Um, there's also a little bit of public art there. Um, they have a nice placard explaining 
the faults of the Wasatch and you know I learned what a scarp is and that's basically that hillside that kind of runs directly oh, wow. by it um, so that's a really really great one another pocket park I like I like um, Cladding Park in the avenues it's kind of a micro park it's basically you know, very, very small, probably a half acre or less. You can imagine maybe there was a house there at some point in time that they demolished and then kind of put a little green space there. Um, it's a particular fan of my youngest daughter who can kind of maneuver around a little bit more easy. And that one's named after one of the uh, famous architects here, uh, Cledding. He designed the Utah Capitol building. So you'll see this commonly with pocket parks is they're usually named at, after some sort of uh, important community member. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to kind of dive into the history so I enjoy that. Well, also another theme seems to be that your young children have to like the park. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. For me, with having two two young children, but not necessarily the case. Like my personal favorite too. Um, I don't know if it's it's on the borderline of what one would call a pocket park, but I like the Miller Bird Refuge. That's kind of in the Harvard Yale area. Mm. It's basically uh, it goes alongside the Red Butte Creek for just a very very short duration. Yeah. And I know it's popular with bird watchers to kind of. Uh, you know, just sit and relax and just enjoy the stream and listen to some birds. Yeah, that one was um, a secret to me as well. And uh, I, I, I felt like I knew Salt Lake pretty well, like I've lived here for more than a decade. Um, but my boyfriend took me to that park, uh, Mil- Miller Bird Refuge, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, my God. Where are we? Look at this. Look at this n- nature in the middle of this urban city. It yeah, was it's so like exciting. Yeah, like a little oasis. Like where it's unexpected. The entrance is a little yeah. bit hidden. And yeah, so. I was like, we definitely shouldn't be back here. But no, <laughs> you can go there. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, 
save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. All right, so we did ask some people what their favorite pocket parks were. Let's see what they had to say. Hey, this is Austin Taylor from the Central City neighborhood of Salt Lake City. I think that our neighborhood has the most pocket parks in the city. And because of that, I'm, I'm going to break the rules and choose two of my favorites. My first is the Van Ness Tot Lock. It's the tiniest pocket park you'll ever see tucked away in the middle of a block between two houses. It's always clean and safe, and it's a great place for me to take my two-year-old son. My second favorite park is the Artesian Well Park. It's an oasis in the middle of an urban neighborhood and a great place for people to meet each other and fill up water. If you haven't been to either of those parks, I hope to meet you guys at the parks. See you later. So I actually live in Central City, um, and I've never heard of that first one. Which Have you heard of that one? I have, yes. I've been there frequently that often because it's a tot park uh, or a tot lot, which is basically a playground that's geared towards toddlers. There's oh. probably about half a dozen that are scattered around uh, the city. And that one's interesting because it's on, you know, there's a handful of Central City streets that kind of just dead end. And that particular part is within one of those kind of uh, dead end roads. And yeah, I like how it's a top park because my two-year-olds can just run amok and it's easy to watch them because it's a very enclosed area and they have, you know, diminutive slides that they can yeah. use. Yeah, well, Artesian Wells, I think a lot of people know that one. People drive past it all the time, probably to get to Liberty Park. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's really cool that we just have that option, um, you know, for, for fresh and clean and cold water right in the middle of the city. Well, and that's a great example of kind of a pocket park that doesn't have a playground, Mm -hmm. but yet it has a reason for people to go there. And, you know, every time I kind of go by there, uh, there's always people filling up, you know, their jugs with water, which I think is encouraging. Yeah. All right. What's next? Who's next? Hi, my name is London Lehman. I live in South Salt Lake. However, I used to live in the avenues. And my favorite pocket park is Dr. Ellis Reynolds Ship Park on 4th Avenue. It's pretty tiny, but has two shady swings, which is what qualifies it as a good park for me. It also honors Dr. Ship, who is one of the first female doctors in Utah, which is pretty neat as well. Thanks. I love the podcast. That is pretty neat. Um, do you know that park? I do know that all park. All right. Yeah. You know all the parks. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Do you think a pocket park should really have like good swings and that's that puts it up a little bit higher in I your would ranking? say slides are probably okay. more important because, uh, you know, swings, you know, it depends on the child if they're into it or not. But I've seen every child use a slide. So. Okay. You know, some sometimes those swings a little scary. A little, a little too much vert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bryant, you've been all over this city and a couple other cities. Where do you think we could really use a pocket park? Great question. Um, There's actually a dearth of them, I would say, in Liberty Wells. And I don't know if it's because, you know, most people just kind of default going to Liberty Park because it's so giant and massive. And there's, you know, you can do pretty much anything that you can imagine there. They have playgrounds, the aviary, you know, tennis courts. Uh, But within certain neighborhoods, like even, you know, south of... 1300 South, where you can kind of get a little bit too far away from the park. Mm-hmm. I think it would be great to have an inclusion there. And then Ballpark, with it being kind of an up-and-coming neighborhood, I think it's quite natural that there should be more inclusion. Mm-hmm. Well, we are here, like we said, in Rose Park. This is the mm-hmm. west side of Salt Lake. I think we often feel like there is not an 
equitable amount of green space on the west side of the city. Have you found that to be true? Do we need more pocket parks around here? Yeah, so one of kind of my internet projects I did was actually kind of tabulate, you know, where these parks are located based on kind of the city council district. And one kind of surprising uh, tidbit that I learned is when you look at the number of parks, actually the west side is pretty well represented. Like uh, the top two kind of districts that have the most parks are uh, District 2 and District 3, which is District 2, I believe, is out here in the west side and District 3 is up in the avenues. But when you look at, you know, the sheer acreage of green space mm. that you're talking about, then that kind of separates out when you're talking more like District 7, the Sugar House area, and also District 3 up in the avenues have the most acreage. So on sheer number, you know, they do great. But yeah, I'd like to see maybe some larger parks. And I think maybe this uh, new Glendale Park that they're discussing down off of 2100 South in the Glendale neighborhood will definitely work well for that area. Bryant Heath, thanks for uh, taking a stroll in the park with us. I'm just going to sit back and just uh, listen to some birds and enjoy nature. Yeah, I think I'm going to go stare into the soul of one of these cats (laughs) and see what I see. (laughs) We love our public spaces in Salt Lake. And it's even better when we get a say in what they are. Salt Lakers were bummed to learn the Salt Lake Bees baseball team is moving to daybreak. But their departure after their 2024 season opens up new opportunities for the ballpark neighborhood. Community members met this week with Mayor Aaron Mendenhall to talk about what the future holds for the Smith's Ballpark Stadium. The city's hosting a design competition for that space. It's a big lot and it's right by public transit, so just about anything could go there. Really, the world is your oyster. The city will narrow down the proposals, and then the public will be able to vote for their favorites. The winners could be announced as early as May. Want in? The deadline for proposals is Friday, March 17th. I'll link the website in the show notes for you. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Bye! Bye!